Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So I feel like we're just doing the best of, of hard conversations. In this next few minutes, we're going to spend time talking about managing low performers. I hear the collective groan in the background. I, I know this is pre-recorded, but I can hear you. <laughs> The groans are that loud. It's right up there with managing conflict. But today we really want to have a conversation around some tips for your ability as a people manager to effectively oversee and get results from individuals who deliver low quality work. I know the shoot from the hip response can be, well, you just manage them out. But I would actually tell you that there is something productive that can happen even with your low performers. Uh, I have seen low performing employees turn into at least productive, solid B employees in my time. And I do think it is a challenging job as a manager and or as a leader to manage low performing individuals. But I think it's actually a tremendous leadership challenge and it's a, a tremendous opportunity. So rather than seeing it as a drudgery to work through, I think if we see it as an opportunity, not only for our growth, but potentially to lead someone to reach their potential, whatever potential that may be, it may not be grade A star player, but it could be solid reserve on the bench. I think that's a good thing. So today we're going to talk about some tips. And, and as Lindsay pointed out before we started recording, really a process to help manage uh, low performing employees who may be producing low quality of work. Again, we all want A players, but the fact of the matter is not everyone is an A player. And sometimes a B player or even a C player will get the job done. We just have to figure out where they fit and how we can best leverage their skills and capabilities and, and get the optimum performance out of them, even if optimum performance for those individuals may be C-level C work. So that really leads us to our first tip, which is understand role fit. And that's really adopting the perspective that everyone has something they're good at. Everybody has something they're good at. And you have to then find out what they're good at and match their skill set and interests to the role requirements, which requires you as the manager and or leader to do some work. You've actually got to spend time and understand your people. So we've used terms like empathize, ask questions, be curious. All of those things really, again, roll up into this more challenging activity, which is managing low performers. So how do we do that? How do we start to match a person's skill set with their interests? Well, first of all, you have to know your person. You have to understand what they're good at. Now, we've talked in prior episodes about different assessment tools that are out there, and I think those are really valuable. I think Strength Finders is a great one. Uh, the Kiersey study is really helpful for understanding how people think or how they orient it. That's based off Myers-Briggs. Lindsay, I think, referenced things like the DISC assessment. Those are all super helpful and informative. I would also say Enneagram's really helpful as well. You, you'll find out if you, if you have a person that feels very passive or like overly agreeable, well, they might be a nine on the Enneagram. If you've got a person who's a three, who's always looking for an attaboy and always looking for a pat on the back, you've got a person that thrives off of uh, performance and always wanting to do the right thing and get that affirmation. So there are a number of uh, tools out there to help you understand your people. But frankly, there's also just observation, having curiosity and getting to know your folks. Ask them, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? What makes you thrive? 
one of the great questions I like to ask folks is, what do you do that makes you feel alive? It's not that typing up an email or typing up meeting notes or facilitating working session it necessarily makes you feel alive, but maybe asking questions, being curious, engaging with other humans makes someone feel alive, or maybe they feel alive when they have tough analytical challenges that they need to solve. And, and that really requires a quiet room and time to think. And, and they just love that. They feel completely alive when they're in those environments. Asking people what they're good at, asking people what causes them to feel alive and productive, conversely asking them what makes them want to stick a fork in their eye. And when we start to understand how a person's wired, when we start to understand what they're good at, what they enjoy, what makes them thrive, you then have a better ability to figure out, well, shoot, how do they fit on my team? And what are some of the roles that they could fill on my team? And there could be a skills gap. There could be a knowledge gap, but skills and knowledge, that can be trained. If you can take the, the, the qualities, the attributes, the competencies that an individual possesses, the strengths and talents that they have, and find out a way to best fit them onto your team, or quite frankly, find another team for them to fit on, well, then I think you've done that person a, a service and you've done yourself a service and you've done your team a service. It's really important to identify where people fit. Now, we're not talking about an individual necessarily that's of such low performance that you just need to, they need to go do something else in life. Although that, that could be the conversation as well. But we're talking about really how to optimize your team as a whole and, and get the best out of all of them, including those quote unquote low performers. So that's really understanding role fit. And I think that requires, again, curiosity, interest, passion, leadership. Even if you're a manager, it requires leadership uh, to really understand your people and, and how they fit. And frankly, it's your job. It's your job to do it. If you're in a leadership position, if you've got managers, senior manager, director, senior director, VP in your title, your job is to lead your people well. And part of leading your people well, frankly, is being curious about them and knowing how they best fit into your team. So that really takes us then to the responsibility number two or tip number two, which is really around identification of goals. Lindsay? Yeah. I mean, it. Justin said earlier, if we think about the tips that we're sharing today as a process that you follow as a people manager when you have low performers, everything Justin was describing under understanding role fit is about getting your mindset right and adopting the perspective of everyone has some type of role that is a good fit for them. So once you've adopted your mindset, then the next step is to have the low performer clarify for you and participate in your understanding of what might be the right fit for them. So you reach out to the low performer, set up some time. Um, you most likely, if you are their direct manager, already have some type of weekly or maybe bi-weekly cadence where you're checking in with them and ask them to define some of their career goals that they'd like to achieve over the next six months to a year. And I wouldn't put any parameters on them. I wouldn't put any limitations. I would let them think as big as they can about where and how do you want to add value and, and like what are the ideal goals that you would achieve. When they bring those to you after a few weeks you know, give them a few weeks to reflect on it. That's when you really have the opportunity to compare some of your hypotheses that you formed based on observing what you think their skill sets and preferences are and their feedback for what their skill sets and preferences are. And it opens the door for you to have a conversation 
about role fit. Yeah, that's really, really good. That's good. And that, that really takes us to that third component in this process, which is really being clear in, in your instruction, really being sure that the employee understands the root cause performance issue is not a misunderstanding of what you're asking a person to complete and prioritize. So said another way, are you on the same page? Is there a clear, common understanding of what you've asked that employee to do? Are the expectations clearly outlined? Do they understand their role? Is the job description clear? Or do we frankly just have a misunderstanding of what we've expected that individual to do? In which case that can be resolved and and cleared up fairly easily. So a few things here that I think really helped this out quite a bit. And it's something we did in the military all the time. We always, when we would ask a subordinate, especially a private or a specialist to go do something. And I was in the position of private first class and specialist when I was enlisted. And it had nothing to do with my intelligence, but it had to do with clarity. Everything in the military needs to be very, very clear, right? You convey something and there's misunderstanding in a combat environment, there can be a loss of life. So it's very, very serious. So we would execute this all the time and it was super helpful. We called it a brief back in the military, but have them state back what you've asked them to do. It's it's really simple. Give them some guidance, either face-to-face, it could be via email, but then ask them to state back to you what they thought they understood you say and listen to them and identify areas where there might be misalignment. Now, don't be petty if they didn't use the same words that you meant. If the connotation is there, if the outcome, the clear understanding of what outcome you're trying to drive is there, then there's alignment, there's clarity, and you can move forward. I also encourage folks, and it doesn't matter if they're a high performer or a low performer. When I've asked somebody to do something, I also ask them to send me questions like, hey, if you get going and you have some questions or you need some directional feedback or you're just confused by something, ask me. There is no retribution for asking a question or getting clarity or getting directional feedback. In fact, with all of my folks, I always ask them, hey, don't like go off into a dark corner, produce something and then come out and go, ta-da. And you may find that you were one degree off and over the course of 500 miles, one degree will get you off a few thousand miles uh, left or right of, of your intended target. So ask questions, seek clarity. If you're confused, come back and ask me and we'll help clarify. And then get directional feedback as you go. Like, hey, this is where I'm going. How does that look? I do that all the time with my own boss. Rather than going off in the dark and going, ta-da, at the end, I I always want to make sure that I've gotten some directional feedback. So really then you're creating room for clear interpretation. And then if you've done all of those things and low performance persists, you probably have a mismatch right between the person and the skill set that's required for the work to be done. And then you can make the adjustment. And that adjustment doesn't have to be a negative thing. That's a good thing for that person. It's a good thing for you. It's a good thing for the team as a whole. So HR always gets a bad rap because they want to document everything. But I will tell you more often than not, I've been burned by my lack of willingness to take the time to document expectations. So Lindsay, why don't you share a little bit more about that? Well, I think, you know, we were talking in a previous episode about how people have different stylistic preferences when it comes to communicating. And my preference is documentation (laughs) because I'd like to have it and be able to go back to it. There's less room for misinterpretations when 
the information or the directive is documented than when it's given verbally. Also from the perspective of if I'm managing people and there's somebody who I consider as a low performer and I have to delegate something to them, there's a task I need to ask them to complete. If I document it and they misinterpret it, that's easier to go back and trace where the misinterpretation may have happened than if we had a verbal conversation and we're trying to each come back together with our different, well, I heard this and I heard that. As a people manager, having emails when you're delegating to your directs is really a great thing because if there is a miscommunication, you can both go back to that to really kind of hone in on what may have been misinterpreted and why and avoided in the future. But to Justin's point, there are some times when low performers simply aren't a right fit for the company and both you and they would be happier in it with a different company or in, in a different type of role altogether. And so that documentation is also a resource to you when you need to start having those really hard conversations. Justin was talking about earlier uh, when he was explaining, understanding role fit and having that mindset about a lot of the different assessments that you can access to get insight into people's personality and work characteristics and preferences. Another thing here, when you're sort of documenting expectations, being clear in your instructions, really trying to be more directive and hands-on with that low performer in an effort to help them improve, a great model that you can use is the situational leadership model by Percy and Blanchard that talks about take your employee and you say, how able are they to do the job on a, on a scale of low, medium, or high? And then how willing are they to do the job on a scale of high, medium, or low? And if they're both low on willing and low on ability, then you use one type of management style. And that is more this hands-on working with them, making sure you're clear in your instruction and documenting expectations. And then if they become high in their willingness after you've had the conversation with them about identifying goals and you're working together towards those goals, then it still helps them that they can reference the documentation and clarity in the instruction, because if they're willing, it means what they need help with is their ability. And so it behooves you to have the documentation to repeat your phrases, because then you will learn what their learning style is and how to direct them. And they'll start to move up on that situational leadership model into they're both high on the willingness level and on the ability level. And that's when you become a hands-off manager and you just delegate freely to them. Yeah, that's fantastic. See, I'm, I'm learning something new even now. Um, <laughs> that's actually a new tool I'll have to I'll have to go check out. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, then it's really about finding a solution for everyone, finding the right fit for the low, low performer, whether it's a different role in your team or another team or with another company. And you need to have open and honest conversations with your folks about what role they think is the right fit and give some input into what you recommend. Honestly, you can build deep, trusted, lifelong relationships potentially with some of these folks just by guiding them and steering them another direction um, because they may land in a spot where they're more fruitful. They have more job satisfaction. You guys know we, we are at work 80% of our lives. And so if you can walk out of that work environment, feeling productive, 
feeling valued, feeling welcomed, man, that, that spills into every other part of your life. It really has a tremendous impact. And so, although we may look at this as, ugh, you got to manage the low performer. Again, look at it as an opportunity and it could potentially be an opportunity to steer either one of your employees onto a path within your company and with your, in your team where they provide immense value to you, the company, the customers, and themselves, or it may be redirecting them on a career path they heretofore would have never imagined. And so I think we can really, again, look at this as an opportunity, just like conflict is an opportunity to grow, managing a low performer is an opportunity potentially to really maximize the potential of an individual who may not have ever had someone really care enough to have these tough conversations with them. So in all of this, there's corporate policies and procedures, there's compliance requirements from HR. You need to be aware of what those are for your company and and be versed in those, particularly as a manager and or a leader. But I really encourage you to think through what we've talked about today. And again, look at this as an opportunity to really maximize the potential of an individual and then thereby maximizing the potential of your team. So thanks guys. Appreciate it. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.